This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. aren't in the playoffs. First time in 16 years. And of course, everyone in Pittsburgh wants to burn iceberg and effigy. All the executives, the coach, a lot of the players. Meantime, the Pirates haven't won a playoff series since 1979, but they started off 7-5, and five, so I keep hearing the Pirates are the best team in town now. We believe in this team. Yeah, that's not going to last a lot longer. But let's talk Penguins. Let's have a a bit of a wake for the flightless birds. And joining me now to do it is Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden, by the way. Did I mention that? No. I I do this podcast uh, twice a week here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Any hoodles. Tim, should the Penguins fire Ron Hextall and Brian Burke immediately uh, clean out the hockey ops department. And I'm talking, uh, we're taping this Thursday. I'm talking tomorrow, Friday, as soon as the season ends. They could fire him and make him find his own way back to Pittsburgh from Columbus for all I care if he's even on the trip. Um, Maybe he's cleaned out his office already. It's certainly easy to do with Brian Burke. I never really knew what he did in the first place. I thought I knew what he was going to do, but that didn't manifest because I saw no oversight of Hextall's moves. And if that was oversight, then Burke never should have had a job in the first place. And yes, I think Hextall should go immediately. Why bother keeping him around at all for any reason um, and just open yourself up to the first possible GM candidates that you could hire? Well, to paraphrase Grady, the... Oakland A's head Scott Moneyball. The next job Ron Hextall has should be managing a Dick Sporting Goods. I can't imagine he'll get another job in hockey administration. I can't imagine anybody doing a worse job. He's the worst general manager the Penguins have ever had. Uh, if you look at the moves he made, the only one I think was okay was the acquisition and retention of of uh, Ricard Raquel. I guess keeping Latang and Malkin at the price they signed for was okay too. But other than that, you know, he went downhill like Clark Griswold in Christmas vacation. It, that's just, just awful. Took the team out of the playoffs. That That's all that need be said. He took a team that had made the playoffs constantly and now they didn't. Now that said, Tim, I thought the Penguins would be right where they were, where they are rather, I thought that that's what would happen at season's beginning. I I thought they were a borderline playoff team that would get a wild card at best. 
So it's not where they wound up. It's the path they took to get there and the damage done to the team that goes beyond this year by Hextall. I said the same thing. I said seventh or eighth wild card at best, and maybe not. Maybe this is where the streak ends because I was dubious of the roster construction from Jump Street. I mean, a couple things you said there. First of all, what we saw from Ron Hextall, boy, I hate to give this guy credit, but Bobby Clark was sure spot on with his analysis, his scouting analysis of what uh, Ron Hextall would be, wasn't he? Yeah, not that Clarky did much better himself or no, I'm just saying appointed what... much better himself, but yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, as it relates to what he did, I don't know how much credit I want to give him, if any, to get the core to stay together for the prices that they did. Because yeah, because they wanted to. My Yeah, my inclination they, is... They, they made it easy by, honestly, Malkin and Latang came cheap. Yeah, a ham sandwich could have done those negotiations, apparently. They just wanted to see how far the Penguins would be willing to stretch out the money. Uh, there seemed to be a price tag that they were going to be willing to play for. It was just how many years and how far would you spread it out. And, boy, I wonder what those contracts are going to look like in four more seasons. Uh, who should be the next GM... Uh, who should be the next director of hockey ops? Should those jobs be combined? Uh, what what they going to do? I don't have any general manager candidates at the tip of my tongue. I know you I brought do. up Kyle Dubas on a yeah. number of occasions. Yeah, and that's being talked about. Those whispers are becoming louder, Tim. Um, he's out of contract at season's end. I heard about a week ago that Toronto wants to re-up him. I've since heard that he wants to look around. I've also since heard that Fenway would be willing to throw a lot of money at him. Because he's a numbers guy? He's an and, analyst and, guy? And give him uh, all power in hockey ops. Combine the jobs. I mean, not not that Burke had any power, but you, you I was going to say, they were always combined before. Like, you, they, they made up this job for Brian Burke, and he did nothing with it. Why you, wouldn't they? Yeah, but the point is, Dubas would have both. He would have absolute power. And I think that's what he's looking for. He's dealt with guys like Brendan Shanahan in Toronto you know, who have compromised the analytics-type vision. And, and Dubas isn't strictly that, but, but you know, he he finds guys like Michael Bunning that, you know, got overlooked and became a real productive player for the Leafs. So that's the guy I want. Uh, if it's possible, well, we'll find out. I, I've also mentioned guys like Jason Botterill, the former Penguins assistant GM, who's now Ron Francis's assistant in Seattle. Mark Bergevin, the former... Uh, Montreal GM, the former Penguin defenseman. I- I've even thought about Ray Shiro in the hockey ops position. Maybe Pat Brisson, Sid's agent. But uh, I keep coming back to Dubas because a lot of the other stuff smacks of recycling and potential cronyism. Whereas Dubas, it would be a real fresh start with a brilliant young executive. When it comes to finding analytics types of players, that's the route they're going to have to go. Like, you know, I, I think I've heard you kind of say there's a thought connection there based on how John Henry, you know, Fenway Sports Group, what about trying to get Billy Bean with the Red Sox, right? Like, if you're thinking of and, that guy. And Theo Epstein. And Theo Epstein, who, right. Who turned into Billy Bean. Right. A better Billy Bean. So if you're thinking about trying to find that kind of guy, those guys find the skaters that the Penguins are going to need to have because they have so much of their contracts tied up long-term that they're only going to be looking for bottom six, bottom three or four, and a well, goalie. Well, now, 
I would radicalize that a bit. Uh, but my point being, before you get to that thought, my point being is they're going to have to find guys like Bunning. They're going to have to find a bunch of guys like Bunning. They needed a guy like that this year where so much of their cap was tied up that they could find a guy who could get specific people to play specific roles at cheap prices. Not Michael Granlin, who's overpriced and can kind of do a little bit of everything, but nothing really well. You know what's great about Michael Granlin? You paid, you paid a second-round pick to get him? You might have to give away a second-round pick to get rid of him. You might have to give away a first-round pick to get rid of him. Well, well, here's what I would do, Tim. I would get rid of Granlin, Petrie, Carter, and Rutta any way I could. And I know there's some 35-plus dispensation to deal with there as per the NHL CBA. But I, I, I'd use two buyouts, which you can. I was going to say, how many buyouts? You're allowed two per You're season? You're allowed two, and I'd do what Garen did with with uh, Parisi and Suter in uh, Minnesota. You just got to get these guys out of here because they're damaging the team. Um, I would try to trade Carter back to L.A. for a seventh-round pick for maybe, you know, and pick up 50% of his contract. I don't know what I'd do with Rada. Granlin and Petra would be the guys i buy out because uh, they're the most expensive. But, uh, but I just got to get those guys out of here. And if that makes me for a season, and, and I know the big three, the, the core guys – with Sid Malkin and Latang went like this, you might have to take a step backwards for a season, an experiment, maybe not spending the cap because of the hit you absorb with buyouts and whatnot. You know, picking up salary if you send somebody away. But I would take Ty Smith, uh, Nylander, uh, Samuel Poulin, and even Philip Hallander. And I'd say, okay, you guys get a jersey and you play every game a regular shift all season. Let's see what you can do because those four guys – could not possibly be worse than the four guys I mentioned getting rid of right now. They could not possibly be worse. And if two of them hit it for for a reasonable, you know, long run, whatever that means, that'd be worth it. You got to get youth and energy into this well, team, I, no, and I, that's a big Sullivan flaw. That's a big Sullivan flaw. That's where I was going next. I mean, this all sounds good in theory, but when it comes to happening in practice, does Sullivan follow through on his? He end won't of the do bargain? it. You fire him. Simple as that. Because he has. Um, I don't want to say outlived his usefulness, but he has squandered his cachet now. It's been a long time since those two cups, and his flaws are very evident. He won't play young guys. He won't veer from his system. He really has become Dan Bilesma. How many wins do they have right now? 40? Yeah, they're 40 and 41. So if they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight, we can still technically say, you know, Mike Sullivan's never had a losing season. Yes, because he's getting into that territory. If you see where I'm going with well, the no, analogy, the, the playoff streak wasn't that territory. Uh, you know, with Tomlin, if you don't win playoff games, it doesn't matter. With the Penguins, if you don't win playoff series, it doesn't matter. But but you know, I don't think they'll fire Sullivan. Uh, but I think he'll be on a short leash, and he should be absolutely 100 should be. You know, I've been thinking. I've been saying they won't fire Sullivan because the Boston connection with Fenway. Fenway's a company based in Boston, but those aren't Boston people running it. So maybe I'm overestimating the cronyism there. There There, There's eczema out there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I was just going to say, I thought one of them was from at least Boston. I'll I'll double check on that. But um, no, I mean, I I agree with what you're saying in theory, but I want to go to the part about what you said about Sid and Malkin and Latang having to be welcoming of the potential of a step back because... Oh, no, no, no. They don't have to be welcoming. I mean, 
I, they have to understand it. They have to yes, know it's exactly. coming. Yeah. And even if they don't, you got to do it anyway. They, they, in, in some ways, they've squandered their cachet, too. Oh, okay. Well, I'll get them. Glad to hear you say that, because I'm taking a lot of flack for suggesting that today in the trip. But I mean, I'm not I'm not getting rid of them. No, neither am I. But I'm saying... Well, especially now with the way the contracts are structured, it's, it would be hard to do. But I'm, I'm saying ain't none of the boss. You wanted this. You wanted to stay together. Now you are. So I look at what you said... And if I'm in the Sid Malkin Latang seats, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be a lot of young guys replacing those old guys if they buy them out or trade them off for seventh round draft picks. It's going to be young guys. It might even have to be, though, Mark, that it's not just those guys that leave. Because you're buying out contracts, a lot of that is still sitting dead on the cap, right? Yes. So um, you've got to then maybe still move a Rust or move a Raquel who are on manageable contracts that another team might, if, if they're willing to be traded and have more young guys in there. Because, Even a Gensel. Yeah, I, I'd try to stick it out with him. I, so, so would I, but I'm just yeah. saying if the right offer came in and you can't be concerned about what Sid wants with, I mean, at this point you have to really just follow the path you think is right regardless of what anybody else, you know, that, that helped cause the problem thinks. I mean, not not that I mean, I give Sid and Gino and Latang all the credit for their effort and with Sid and Gino their production this year, but they didn't make the playoffs. Right. And their product, production did wane in mid March to early April. I mean, it whether that was fatigue from having to carry too much of the load, other teams hot goalie all the time or well, F that. I, I know I don't I, I mean, that drives me crazy. I mean, I'm sorry. When you got beat by the guy starting his first NHL game for Ottawa. And Peter Morazic when the chips were on the table. Yeah, I mean, forget about it. It ain't a matter of a hot goalie. Tim, there was nothing that happened to the Penguins that wasn't their fault when it comes to missing the playoffs. Even if they missed by the narrowest of margins by beating Columbus in the finale tonight, later after we tape this, they missed because they effed up. And they are not to be forgiven for that or cut slack or wait till next year, get them next time. they got to make changes. But even when it comes to the surprising subtraction that we might see that I was alluding to before, like a Rust, Raquel, or you brought up Gensel, I think they've got to keep Gensel and they've got to keep either Rust or Raquel because you at least need two wingers for those two centers. Then you can find two other guys in the draft or, or, you know, cheap and free agency, something like that in your own system. Yeah, well, the draft picks ain't going to step right in. That's not how it works. Uh, No, unlikely. I mean, they've got this incredibly minute chance of getting as high as four, I think is what Seth Rorba told me today. Like, they could get as high as four based on where they are, but it's like a 2% chance or something. Um, No, by the way they operate, they usually tend to get guys who are young and groom them, but... You know what? They might have to be aggressive and try to find somewhere they can play fast or start fast-tracking some of the guys that they do have. I don't know where Pickering is in their eyes in terms of development or whatever, but they have to find young guys that they give a big seat to. Um, and they have to put them in there even when they have a bad game. Like the guys I mentioned, I'm talking dress them 82 games if they're available. Well, they kept because- pumping the well with Kasperi Kapanen because they thought there was something there. and. The Blues found it more than they did, but they yeah, have to have that, that mentality that's with somebody. That's a bit disturbing that so many guys have left and struck gold elsewhere. And I'm not sure if it's on the player or if it's on the opportunity they got or didn't get here. I'm not sure, but I think it's worth wondering about. You're talking about primarily Kasperi Kapanen, McCann, and um, Even Sam Lafferty, even Lafferty. ZAR. You know what I mean? Like, ZAR and Sam Lafferty are third-line players on a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. 
and they could have been that here and served some sort of purpose and role. Well, every time a guy like that played a game where he wasn't terrific at his perceived role, he either got scratched or played three minutes the next game. Or had to go in his car and go back to Wilsbury. And, and that can't keep happening. And if Sully don't want to live with that, then he's out. I mean, like, right away. Like, if they go to him, whoever the GM is, and say, look, we need you to do this, and he says, well, that compromises my vision, I'd say, well, take your vision elsewhere, MFR, because it's been a long time since 2017. That vision hasn't played out. I mean, I don't know what he's seeing if he's still seeing his vision in these players trying to play it because you know, I I probably Well, he's trying to force feed a system that don't fit anymore. And, and by the way, I've been told through an intermediary that, that you know, I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. You, you the tell inter- me- intermediary being an intermediary to him or somebody else in the locker room? Uh, no, intermediary to him. Okay. Uh, Kim, you tell me how much they pinch. I see all the time. I think they sometimes don't count bad pinches unless the bad, bad pinches turn into goals. But there are plenty of times where those bad pinches have turned into at least scoring opportunities the other way. But don't they pinch all the time? You tell me. A lot, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what Do you mean. Do they pinch every single trip down the rink by the other team? No. But in, Do they pinch a ton? And like, like my thing is, no matter how much they pinched him, it's too much. Because Petrie and Ryder are too slow to get there. POJ's too weak to win the pinch if he gets there. Uh Freeman and Ruedel should even be in the league. That leaves Pedersen, who's been hurt, although thank God he's going to play the season finale tonight. <laughs> uh, Dumo, who, you know, ain't no good no more. And Latang, who has been spotty this year, but you still got to, you know, believe in that guy because of the minutes, of nothing else. The answer to your question is yes, especially when it comes to time and circumstance of the game, score and circumstance of the game. I think they do it way too often. And I probably should have made a bigger stink about this. I mean, I remember when it happened. It happened when I was on vacation. But when they made the trades for Matheson to go out and Marina to go out and for Jan Ruda and for um, Petrie to come here, like, my first thought was, okay, they're committing to playing different because these guys aren't capable of running the Sully system the way that the guys who and were sent out. And they just kept playing the same way. But they just kept playing the same way. So they had lesser guys playing a system that they that they perceivably were trying to get away from, and it made no sense. It became a hodgepodge of nothingness there on the blue line. What went wrong against Chicago in that game specifically? I I don't think they were flat. I no, think, they weren't. That I, was the most scary part about it. I think they were just bad. Tight. And I think they got, yeah, they got rattled right away, and they never got out of being rattled. Even when they scored to tie it, they stopped playing. It was like they said, okay, now it'll just naturally come. And a couple seconds later, they're rattled again. And that wound up in the an, anesthesia. Uh, no, he was the third goal. I'm sorry. Uh, whoever scored the that second. One, well, the third, the one that, that where Jari was facing the net. Yeah, that was him, right? Yeah. So I can't. On a bad pinch. There you go. There's another example. Um, especially now, I get that a little bit because you're. And part of the bad pinch, part of the bad pinch, part of the bad pinch is that the forwards aren't covering up. That the forwards are cheating on the side of the puck on too many pinches. Yeah. The uh, offensive side. Uh, agreed. But going back to the Chicago game, you asked what went wrong there. Well, what went wrong there more than anything? Like, I, I echo your sight of what you perceive to be their effort level. I thought they tried like hell. And that was the most alarming part to me. Like this, wasn't, a lot of times they tried too much. This wasn't like they were sleepwalking through the San Jose game or something like that, or they got down big against the Oilers and crapped out for fifty minutes. Like it wasn't that. This was they were wound too tight. They made some mistakes that were a result of being wound too tight, 
And maybe that's why they couldn't finish worth a damn, because they were gripping their sticks like crazy. And Mark, uh, this this is something that does speak to the stars, the better players, because they're taking most of the offensive opportunities, be it power play, even strength, uh, you know, offensive zone faceoffs, what have you. But they were fifth in the league in shots on goal this year. They were 16th in goals, and they were 25th in shooting percentage. I heard Jonathan Bambouli on your show talking about their shooting percentage being off, and that's not often a number we spend a lot of time dwelling on. But I do think that number reflects an issue that was apparent with the star players this year, that they didn't finish to their level of accomplishment of years past. No, and it also reflects that there weren't a lot of second shots there weren't a lot of shots through traffic. Like, I can recall a bunch of games this year, um, including Morazic, you know, in goal for Chicago in the game that, that put the Penguins behind the eight ball for not making the playoffs, where the goalie would make 40 saves or even more, and you couldn't remember many really difficult ones. I mean, I thought Morazic made a couple decent saves on Sid. It wasn't like he was committing highway robbery every time the Penguins came down the rink either. That might have something to do with a failure to properly find the next Hornquist and Kunitz types. Uh, gritty guys in front of the net, that might have something to do with it. Guys- well, part, of, part of it, Tim, is that they're so weak physically, they can't get to the front of the net. Like, a lot of their players just can't do it. I mean, Gensel, God bless him, he does, even though he's, you know, five foot nothing, 100 nothing. And, and Sid and Gino do because they won't take no for an answer. But they got a lot of guys who take no for an answer. And Gensel's skill in front of the net is very different than Hornquist's skill in front of the net. Horn- but he still gets there. He gets there, but he's really good at finding pockets. You know, he jumps from lily pad to lily pad and always finds a good spot to be to find the loose puck. Whereas Hornquist will let the puck hit him, fall, let it fall down to his feet, take three cross checks in the face and score. Do you, do you agree that they are the most physically weak team in the league currently and that I've ever seen with the Penguins? I mean, they they because of their composition in that regard, I feel like most nights they, they play the equivalent of men's league no-check. And that was the quizzical thing about going out and getting Michael Granlin because he, was, he exactly fits that description, which takes us back to the first part of our conversation, which while I'm willing to spread the blame to all angles of the team, it still comes back to Hextall more than anything. His idea to fix his biggest problem was to add somebody who was just like their biggest problem. Yeah, he, and he got one goal in 20 games. It was like, I was going to make a movie to him, Weekend at Granny's. He was like a dead guy. He just was an empty uniform. Uh, How much do they prioritize getting uh, Zucker back? I don't I don't think you'll be able to afford him. And, and you know what? Given the money he's probably going to get, and God bless him because he gave it all this year, but I don't think you could take a chance on a guy who was here three and a half years but wasn't hurt very much till the very last year. And even he started to fade a little bit at the end of the year. I think he had one, he had two points in April, and I don't know what the exact Because he beat was. himself to death. Yeah, he tried like crazy, and I thought he had a really good season. Something like from roughly St. Patrick's Day, maybe before, I think he only had like two or three I got to be honest, Tim. I don't see keeping anybody who's out of contract when the season ends as being critical. You missed the playoffs, for God's sake. Uh, speaking of which, I got to get a new goalie. Jari isn't a winning goalie. He plays just well enough to lose big games. He has disappointed the Penguins too many times. Uh, I think he's a loser. Is that a line from The Natural? Remember the the, the, the gambler? Was that Robert Duvall? No, no uh, the, the gambler. No, that was yeah, Max Darcy. One one yeah, the one-eyed guy. Yeah. He says, I think you're a loser to Roy Hobbs. He goes, then let it ride. 
and then Kim Basinger fires a random shot. Yes, and uh, that's when they, was that when he was in the white suit, right? I I don't know. I'm, oh no, this is the office. You're talking the about office, the office. Oh, that's a great. When, when that's he, a really well stayed scene. When he gives back the bribe. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the the blinds are pulled really low, and they shoot it in almost quasi darkness. Yes, yes. That was a very well shot scene. When I think everybody talks about the end of the natural, the lights blowing up, and you know him throwing the ball. In I the thought that was cornfield. too corny. Yeah, but that was the that was the most intriguing scene in the movie. Well, at any rate, I think I think that should be Jari's last game with the Penguins. Actually, he's going to play against uh, against Columbus in the finale. I just don't want him. I mean, and Tim, let it be known, and I bet you remember when he lost the game to Columbus on that uh, the series, and he and he blew Game Five in double overtime where he had to cough up the not, Islanders, the, the Islanders, Islanders rather yeah. to the Islanders to, that cough up to Josh Bailey. That was in uh, not not last. It was in twenty twenty. Correct. That was, no, 2020 was the pandemic year, so that was much. 2021. 2021, 2021, right. 2021. I said then you could never trust him again, and you shouldn't, and that turned out to be the case. I mean, it was, you know, he doesn't blow games. Well, yeah, he kind of does, but you know what I mean. He just doesn't come through ever, and he's going to want too much for too long. There's the thought of a lingering injury. Get somebody else, whether it's Jonas Corposalo, Ilya Samsonov from Toronto is a free agent, although he'll probably get too much money. Um, Varlamov in on Long Island, who has been uh, Halak, right? Isn't he available? Yeah, too? yeah. I mean, uh, get a Russian, get a Checo, get some <laughs> Eastern. Finn? Isn't there a Finn somewhere? Yeah, just just get one of them because they're the best goalies in the league right now. Anyway, um, you use the phrase "false dawn" a lot, like the the coming of a false dawn. Jari's got a lot of that in him. Yeah, you know, like he'll. Look bad for two games, like, oh, that's a bad game. That was an okay game. That was a good game. That was a really good game, and then the cycle. And and his numbers are pretty good, but it just doesn't add up to wins. And that's where you have to sit down, you have to look past numbers and say, this guy doesn't win, which ironically would be exactly the way Kyle Dubas would probably not approach it. Every now and then they needed a goalie to outperform the where-did-that-come-from performance from the random goalie that was in the other net. Like, you know, like you said, Morazic was good. Jari could have been better. Morazic um, was good. Sid could have, could have scored, you know, like on the eight shots that but he had. Sid has scored. Sid has come through. Jari's never come through. And he's been here long enough to have come through at some point. Yeah, they gave him plenty of time to be the starter. I mean, like... Like, like he played the game on one foot against the Rangers, game seven last year. He, he didn't win. I mean, you could tell me about his courage. He wasn't storming Omaha Beach. The bottom line is he still didn't win. Well, and I know the pandemic has to play into this a bit, but, you know, if if and when, let's, if we could go back Tim, in time. he played that one game in the bubble, the game they got eliminated by Montreal when they gave up on Murray? Uh, the Canadians' first goal. I think it ended one nothing or 2 nothing. right? How did they score that goal? Uh, were you talking about the one nothing game? That Pete, was it a Petrie that scored? Or was no, it, uh, no, no, it was no. Anderson or I, something I like that? I forget who scored, but but the, the goal that beat them when they got eliminated by Montreal in the bubble was when Jari was facing his net. Oh, that's right. Just like it, yeah. he was facing his net against Chicago. He's a bum. He's a loser. He's a bum. Get rid of him. What I was going to say is you could go back in time to that point, and you knew that the torch was being passed at that point from Murray to Jari, and you could have said then, all right, uh, for the year 2023, and we still don't know if Tristan Jari is the real deal. Should the Penguins keep him? My answer then would have been no, and my answer now is no. If you don't know by now if he's the real deal, he's not. 
Why do people blame FSG, Tim? I see a lot of heat on them on Twitter. I don't get that. Is it because they're nameless, they're faceless? Yes, that's it. You, you don't have a jersey with FSG and a number on the back? I think a lot. I think a big reason why you're seeing so much heat thrown at Hextall, FSG, Ruda, Carter, Granlin. None of these guys are the homegrown guys. You know what I mean? Like, I know Jari's getting some. I know Dumoulin's getting some. But the disproportionate willingness, I shouldn't say disproportionate because that makes it feel like it's unfair. I think everybody who's gotten the kind of criticism they've gotten has deserved it. But there's a feeding frenzy around that angle of the team because they're detached from being native Penguins. And they're not Mario. They bought yeah. the team from Mario. That's a big deal, too. And like Matt Vensel at the Post, because that reported today, we we the fans complain that, that Fenway doesn't have a presence. He says there's been people from Fenway at almost every home game this year and on a lot of the road games, too. It's just that we don't know them or recognize them. Maybe some folks in the media do, and if they do, then say who they are. But, I mean, like, well, is Kevin Ackland? He's an FSG guy, right? Because yeah, he's there all pe- the time. people see him as Morehouse's assistant still. Oh, okay. Which is what he was for years. Yeah, right. But I wasn't sure how you wanted to sort of count him no, as an FSG. I, I don't have a problem with FSG. And if anybody should, it's me because they're not going to be able to get Jude Bellingham for Liverpool. But, you know, like they were they, they were there. They, I saw the video of it. Werner and uh, Henry were in the locker room for Geno's 1,000th game this year. Yeah. Um, Werner, I don't think Henry was here, but I think Werner was here for, for the Latang's. Latang's game. Yep, that's right. So, like, you know, they have been around for some of And it's like, you know, let's not like, let's not go back in time and, and reshape that Mario, like, he would come to games for sure. And, he, like, he liked being around the players. They were his players. Well, but, that's not true either. He wasn't in the locker room very much when he came to games. Uh, we'd see him in the elevator maybe more than they saw he, in the he, locker he room. He went but, to his box. He, you yeah. know, sat with Pierre and whoever, and that was it. I mean, he was a... An interested spectator. But that's what I'm saying. Is like, you know, we're going to go back in time and act like he was Dan Rooney milling around in the press box before every game. Mario, to my knowledge, only had significant input on one hockey decision made during his tenure, and that was the acquisition well, of Marion Hosa. And forget him. What about Burkle? Bur- How often was Burkle ever here? It and was he, big news when he was. And he had more ownership than Mario, much and more. That's my point. Uh, here's an interesting factoid, too. This was not a good year for the Penguins. Everybody knows it. They played to almost 97% of capacity, and they had less free tickets this year given out than than they did during uh, Mario's ownership, during the Morehouse tent era, because Morehouse just wanted to get him in the building at some point. So 97%, that's pretty impressive. Do you think— in the, in I mean, there's some student rush there, make no yeah. mistake. Well, let me ask you this. And I, that When I saw that number, heard that number, kind of went through my head, and I'm wondering if I'm thinking this backwards, if this is really the case, but like— Let's say it was like last year, okay? If it was like last year when the Penguins were pretty much, I don't want to say locked into third place, but they weren't going to miss the playoffs, right? right? There's that chasm between the Capitals being the last team in and whoever was ninth. So they were were snugly in the playoffs. It was just about playoff positioning. So even though All year long, it was eight teams that were clearly going to make it East. So in a weird way, because they weren't as good, did that sort of help ticket sales because there are more stakes on the line? I don't know. As as the season was getting deeper into March? All I know is 97% is not bad for a team that, you know, ended up being in decline. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, I don't think this is just one bad year. I think they'd be really hard pressed to make the playoffs next year as well, because you got teams like Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo coming on, and they're going to be better. 
you know, I think the Rangers, the Devils, they all might be better. That's a huge concern of mine. Yes. So, but 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 the point is, I I think the the angst is a bit overwrought. Uh, I think after a team makes the playoffs for 16 straight years and wins three championships in that time, I think that uh, that you know maybe a little more patience is required. I mean, but then again, I know how fans are. It does amuse me that people think the Pirates are, are going to be something now because they started out okay at seven and five, and, and people are really down on the Penguins. But yet they're they're high on the Steelers because they're assuming Kenny Pickett in his second year will ascend from being ranked 28th in all the passing stats. I mean, Pittsburgh sports fans, they're not that bright. When you say that Penguins fans are, are talking about patience or when people are putting the issue of patience out there, are we talking like Axel Rose patience where you're whistling for the first five minutes and are they whistling past the graveyard in that regard? Axel Rose has never been known for patience except for that song, so maybe this <laughs> just not the not a, a great comparison there. Tim, what about a fan appreciation night after the game? Uh, against Chicago, it's very rare that the fans meet the players and they're all pissed. (laughs) That was so awkward to have booing cascading down as the announcement for, hey, if you're part of the fans who are lining up to get on the ice, go to your spot now. And it's boo, boo. Like It was the most awkward fan appreciation interaction that I could think of. And, you know, actually, I walked by that line. You walked by that line, yes. too, right? I mean, they were all still so happy to go out there and get on the ice. And But on a night like that, it does feel weird to say, okay, well, gee, I got Dmitry Kulikov's jersey. Boy, that's what a treasured item that would be. I would have said, if he gave me the jersey, I would have said, why did we get you? <laughs> Is this the actual jersey you were wearing? Like, did it fall off your body when you got skated around? I'd say around? to Carter, ah, you screwed us, didn't you? <laughs> you screwed us. Sabotage. Uh, that's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Mann, an all-Penguin edition of the Mark Mann Podcast, and we'll talk about something else next week. Uh, this is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week, available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.